I don't know. I'm trying to remember everything. That's another thing of realizing like the other symptoms that come with it. Brain fog and stuff. So there's a lot of things I don't really remember because I would hit my head so much. Oh my God. What the fuck? <laughs> Sorry. That's no, okay. But it's so true. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Delulu besties, welcome. This is a safe space to vent, talk shit, reflect, and most importantly, keep it real. It's better to trauma dump here so that we don't explode on innocent randos. Just admit it, you're bothered. What's up, Delulu besties? Welcome back for season two. We're here with Anya this time. Danny, so obviously this is a mental health podcast, and Danny is being a healthy citizen of society, and he's taking a step back to focus on his mental health for a little bit, and obviously we support that. So for season two, we're going to bring in some really cool people and talk about their mental health. That way Danny and I don't have to keep talking about ourselves every day. <laughs> So this is Anya. Welcome. Hi, everyone. Nice to meet you. Should we tell them how we met? I love saying this story. I think it's so fun. Yes. Okay. Start it off. I love the way you tell it. Okay. So it's funny because Anya and I actually, how far was your drive here today? Uh, 12 minutes. Okay. So yeah, we pretty much live right down the street from each other in San Antonio, but we went to different high schools and I was in Dane's team at my high school and Anya was on Dane's team at her high school. And then I worked with Anya's best friend yeah. on Dane's team. Yeah. So this girl and I like became besties. So I met Anya like at competitions or whenever, like, like I would football go. games. And- yeah. Like when I would just go support and that was that. And then, okay, now you tell the other half. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, Fast forward to like after college, right? So one of my best guy friends is telling me about this girl that he's seeing. And I was like, of course, like, give me the details and stuff. Like, this is super exciting. And he's like telling me, he's like, yeah, this girl's really cool. She's really smart, like funny. And I was like, okay, like I got to see pictures, right? And he's like, all right, this is her. And I was like, is her name Karen? (laughs) And he was just like, yes. And I was like, oh my God, like I know her. And he was like, what (laughs) and then like basically from that point on we just kind of became like really close friends yeah we're messy and so then when he and I stopped talking Anya and I were like okay well sorry (laughs) Sorry. but like I'm not going anywhere (laughs) so then I would just continue to show up I'm not really sure how much he loved it but he learned to love it yeah yeah and now we're all really good friends and stuff so it worked out but (laughs) it's like such a small world (laughs) I know it's crazy okay and also I just want to add him to the list of my fuck boy rosters yes. I remember thinking he was so sweet on your end like oh this guy says you're the one and I'm like oh that's funny because he just sleeps around with different girls every week like yes he who shall not be named <laughs> yes that's the perfect way to describe him and so yeah I don't know that was I think that's how we really bonded too because we were just like talking right. shit about it <laughs> yeah 
honestly, in a loving way. <laughs> Maybe not at first. We were just kind of like putting the pieces together, and I was like, "Oh, all right. Well, this isn't going to be a long term thing, but you're going to be around." So yes, I am here for the him. long term. Yeah. Welcome to the club, Karen. Yes, it was a great club I joined. Yes. And now it's all coming to an end. I know. A little family, but it, it's temporary. Yeah. I guess we'll see. You never know what happens. Yeah. But, okay, not that anybody else cares, but it's sentimental to me. So the house that this guy who shall not be named used to live in, then afterwards, Anya and her now ex-boyfriend moved in who was best friends with he who shall not be named. So this house has been in our group for so long. I've had so many party days there. Like, I've grown yeah. up. Looking back, I'm like, damn, I was like, child well, it was like house? eight years of yeah. us all like partying there like the basically everyone in the friend group lived there at some point yeah and it was so cool I've grown friendships there friendships have fallen apart relationships have fallen apart at one point when I had a quarter life crisis which I had those like every day of my life I stayed with Anya Same. for a whole month <laughs> the beginning of my entrepreneur journey where I wrote my book yeah. I think I launched my first YouTube channel there or tried like, like TikTok and everything yeah. too. We've all grown so much in that house and now it's all over. Now you're single. <laughs> now I'm single. I'm Which out is of great. the house. Everything's different now, but it's also a really fresh start at the same time. So it's sad, but it's also exciting. Yeah. Anya's no longer breaking out. Your skin is like, thank <laughs> God, get me out of this. No, but really? Okay. Cause I was telling Karen, so every time I would kiss my ex-boyfriend, our noses would touch and my left side of my nose would always be breaking out. And I feel like I have scarring there still from how much I was breaking out. So now I'm like, all right, we're going to get this together. This is obviously kind of a sign. Okay, obviously that makes sense from your nose is touching the oils. But I right. also swear your body always tells you what's yes. up. Like I'm not saying every single time you break out, you have to remove something from your life. But also, yeah, listen to your body. Yes, no, absolutely. I think that was my body saying like, hey, obviously things aren't mixing well. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now Anya's going to go be a badass and travel the world. For yeah. six months. Six months. I'm super excited. I start in a week and... Tell everybody where you're going first. Uh, I'm going to Amsterdam first. Then I'm going to uh, Stuttgart, Germany. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I have it like kind of planned out, but I'm not really one for planning when it comes to travel. So That sounds freeing. It is, but at the same time, it's like, okay, you could do that more in Asia. Europe is a little more complicated, but if you don't mind flying like Ryanair or taking a train, then it's a little bit easier to do. But if you're a bougie traveler, I don't recommend being spontaneous with it. Mm. Do you prefer solo travel or with a boyfriend or with friends? Mm. Overall, solo. Why? Um, just because you can literally do whatever you want, whenever you want. You can eat whatever you want. Like you don't have to worry about like, oh my God, I'm in the mood for sushi. And then someone's like, actually, no, I want like Italian or something. So you can... It's so freeing. There's like no set schedule unless you put one on yourself, but you don't really have to worry about anyone else, which sounds really selfish. But at the same time, it's just, I don't know. And just to have that independence and like, it's like kind of like a challenge. Like that's what started my solo traveling. So I booked a trip to Thailand just spontaneously. I'd never left the country before. I was like, I don't know. I don't know why I did it, but I was like, I just need to prove to myself that I can be alone 
Oh, wow. And so I spent two weeks in Thailand backpacking and those two weeks were the most transformative two weeks of my entire life. Damn. Yeah. Cause like I finally proved to myself like, okay, I can be independent. I'm not like, I don't have to get, I don't know, help or I don't have to depend on anyone else. Like at the end of the day, it's me and I can take care of myself. Okay, I actually was going to ask you about Thailand because, correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of like the experience I know about you is, so you had POTS, you had to take a year off, yeah, and then you went to Thailand, and then that's kind of what kick-started your life, right? Yeah, basically, yeah. I would, yeah, so I guess like we can talk about POTS real quick since you brought it up. Yeah, can you explain what it is? So it's postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. POTS for short, because it's an insanely long name. My way of explaining it is, you know how like whenever you stand up too fast, you get all like, you know, you travel through space and time and like almost black out a little bit. So for me, it's like that. But every time I stand up, no matter how slow it is, and then if it's a really bad day, it's even just going from like laying down to sitting up. So that's the postural part. Every time? Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're working in the office and you get up to go to the restroom? Yeah. Damn. I just have to take it slow. And now I've gotten to the point to where I know the triggers. I know how far I can push myself with standing up or, like, how bad of a day is it. I can kind of figure it out and adjust myself to make sure I don't pass out or faint because that's the end result. I stand up and then I just, you know, collapse and I'm out for I don't even know how long because, you know, I'm fainted so So every time you have to get up if you don't do it slowly you'll immediately pass out for the most part yeah it's gotten better a little bit um like I said just because now like I'm really careful with my diet I have to eat a bunch of salt which is actually really cool because doctors always tell people like you're eating too much sodium but my doctors are actually like you need to eat more and so I'm like okay yeah it's a nice problem to have I know they're like are you eating a bag of chips every day and I'm like Wait, fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's some perks to it, but there's some days where like, I literally can't get out of bed. Otherwise I will faint. Damn. Yeah. And so that's kind of what happened for the year that you mentioned before I went to Thailand is uh, I was in school for dance and I started just my senior year, just having so many issues. I was passing out at least 20 times a day. 20? Yeah. It was rough. Sometimes like I didn't know it was happening because it was still... I was still undiagnosed at that time. So I was just like, what the heck? And I didn't know like how to control it or anything. So I would just like, whatever, like this is just life. And I would just be okay with fainting and like sometimes hitting my head and like, what? Yeah. And so I went through that for like a year and then um, finally. Would people like this happen at school? Would people send you like call the ambulance every time or? Um, I kind of gave people a heads up. That's what was happening. I didn't know what it was exactly. So I wasn't going to be like, I'm 100% fine. But like I did say that because I didn't want people to freak out and I didn't want to be weird, I guess, for lack of better words. Yeah. So I kind of gave people a heads up like, hey, this is something that I do, but I do wake back up. I tried to pass it off as like a party trick. (laughs) And so people were just like, okay, whatever. And so for dance, because, you know, you're constantly changing positions and stuff. It got to be really challenging. So I I just told everyone, I was like, this is what happens and got Mm -hmm. through it. And did you feel weird? Like I'm the weird kid or did you just almost think it was normal? Like this happens to everyone? Um, no, I definitely kind of felt like the weird kid, I guess more of like a, why is this happening to me Mm. thing? 
And like, why can't anyone figure out what it is? Is it going to be like this forever? I don't know. It was really anxiety inducing and it made me kind of question a lot. It really put me in a dark place. Like I was pretty deeply depressed because I was just like, what, why am I like this? Yeah. And like, I just see all of my friends having fun, going out to bars, just living their best life. And for like a week straight, I'm having to literally lay in bed and people are just like, why are you being lazy? Why are you being antisocial? And I was like, no, literally here's this thing that's happening. And like a lot of people didn't believe me. My mom didn't believe me for the longest time. Like she thought I was just, I guess, wanting attention or something or like coming up with excuses. And were you going to doctors at that point? Yeah. And they were all like, oh, it's anxiety. Like they always say for women, like, oh no, it's just anxiety. You just gotta, don't be so stressed. (gasps) Yeah. That was it? Don't be so stressed. Yeah. It was insane because I was previously diagnosed with anxiety, right? So I knew what anxiety felt like and I was already being treated for it. And so I was like, no, this is different. And the doctors were just like, no, it, 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 that's what it is. You're just having anxiety attacks. And I was like, no, this is, this is different. Can you please listen to me? Oh my God. How many different doctors did you have to go to until you got diagnosed? I went to, I think I saw two different doctors because I went on like a military base and the first doctor I saw, like she didn't really know what it was, but I didn't get to talk to her too much because she had to go get stationed somewhere else. Mm. So then this other lady came in and she was there for a while because I went through this for, I want to say five years since like the first episode. Yeah. So it all started my senior year of high school. And then I didn't get diagnosed until after my senior year of college. Oh my God. So uh, the summer That's a after. long time. Yeah. So I saw that one doctor and at first I didn't really tell anyone about it. I thought, cause we live in Texas, it's so hot. I was getting dehydrated or something, mm. you know, I was just thinking that. And then I started bringing it up to the doctor more and I was like, Hey, look, this is happening. And then when it really got bad, my senior year of college is whenever she was just like, no, like you're literally just insane. Like just <gasps> calm down. <laughs> no fucking way. Yeah. Yeah. It sucked. Damn. And so then once you got diagnosed, what changed in your life? Um, I think that's when like I got relief because I was fighting for a diagnosis for so long because we all kind of like figured the person that like brought it up and like kind of made us realize, like I say us, but me and my mom, cause she was going along with me Aww. through all of it was surprisingly my psychiatrist. Because obviously saw her for anxiety and she was also agreeing like, no, this is like something completely different. Have you ever heard of this thing called POTS? And I was just like, what? What are you talking about POTS? Like that's an illness or whatever syndrome. And she was like, yeah, I just recently heard about it and it sounds like you have it. And so she was fighting for me to talk to this doctor and get a tilt table test because that's what you need in order to get the diagnosis. But a lot of doctors don't want to, for some reason, pres- prescribe it. Why? Um, I have no clue. Are, are they just not educated? I wonder if the previous doctors didn't even know what it was. So yeah, there were a couple doctors that didn't know what it was, like nurses and stuff that would be in the room. Because I would, mm. of course, get a different nurse each time. But yeah. the doctor that I was talking to that you know kind of took over for the first one, I was talking with her about it. And she was like, I don't even know what that is. It's anxiety, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, no, I'm talking to my psychiatrist who treats my anxiety. She thinks it's this. She really wants me to get a tilt table. And she kept fighting me and fighting me and fighting me on it. 
And then it took literally me breaking down, crying, openly weeping, being like, I am so fed up with this. This is actually affecting my life. Like, please, can you just get me a tilt table exam or whatever, a test just so we can rule it out. Like, I think this is what it is. And after basically yelling at her, she was like, okay, fine, whatever. I'll get you set up. And then like a week later did the test and sure enough, they were like, yeah, you have POTS. Dude, that is such a hard position to be in. Mm -hmm. And this is also pretty much the entire reason why I started the podcast is to destigmatize mental health. It was also my psychiatrist who changed my life. And I get it because I got diagnosed being ADHD. And I feel like when people see psychiatrists, it seems like, oh, that's for crazy people, bipolar or something extreme. Like, that's not me. I didn't know how anyone else's brain worked. So I was having a hard time in life, but I was like, oh, this is normal. This is a normal part of this age. Like everyone else must be this confused. Everyone else must study for 12 hours and then go fail their test. Yeah, because you like literally can't remember anything. Yes. And I felt the same way, just so validated. I felt so weird going in there. And like, I can't even imagine you having to like, yell and scream at your doctor and cry because I remember walking to my psychiatrist's office being like I don't really know why I'm here because again I didn't know anything different like it's right. so weird to advocate for yourself yeah. so when they're telling you no no nothing's wrong I feel like a lot of people's first instinct would be to believe them and then yeah. you gaslight yourself but then you keep ending up in these like crazy situations yeah, in life exactly god it's so hard I just want to encourage everybody to go see a psychiatrist so, yeah great. I know and like sometimes the first one isn't going to be the best one but just keep trying because there is going to be that one doctor that changes your life yeah and I even was saying this to my mom earlier because I actually met with my psychiatrist today and I was like it's crazy thinking about how I got through life before I was diagnosed yeah granted I was barely getting through life but (laughs) it's really sad that so many people have to struggle And so I just want to encourage anybody who is struggling, you're not crazy and life can be easier. So go seek the help. And okay, yeah, it might be like a shitty road to find the help, but you will get it. You're not crazy. And also I know a lot of people, for instance, like whenever I finally got diagnosed a month later, I was off of my parents' insurance. Oh, And so I couldn't work because I was fainting all the time. So there was a whole year where I was just rotting in bed, having to stay with my parents and like didn't have health insurance because I didn't have a job. I was off of theirs. And so there's nothing that I could do. Yeah. And so financially, I understand a lot of people are just like, okay, you say like, go to these doctors and stuff, but who's going to pay for it? There's always some type of organization or nonprofit, just something that is out there. You just have to do the research, but there's people that can help you. And I mean, I feel like we're all going through health insurance crisis collectively as American citizens. So people know that there's a demand out there and there's a lot of resources. So just to try your best, do your research and get that help. And I feel like it's actually a lot easier or a lot more accessible than we think. Like Mm -hmm. even today when I met with my psychiatrist, like right now I'm not working. I don't have health insurance. Like I'm working for myself, but I'm not paying my own health insurance. And he asked me, because we're changing my medication, he was like, oh, you don't have health insurance, right? And he has all this information, like, he knows how to make it cheaper. And I'm honestly saving money right now without 
health insurance. So yes, if you just show up and you're like, Hey, I need help, but I can't pay for it. They'll work with you. And they have a lot more resources available than you would think. Yeah. And a lot of coupons now for medications that can drop it from like a hundred dollars to like 20. So yes, even $20 for some people can be a lot, but at least it's not a hundred. You can figure it out. DoorDash, Uber, if you can. <laughs> it's something. worth it because without me getting diagnosed, I wouldn't be able to hold down a job. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to create my own job for myself right now. Like, and same to you, you were right. stuck in bed. We kind of need to put every penny we have into this so that we can right. go out and live our lives. Yes, exactly. Totally agree. So you mentioned you were on bed rest for a whole year. Yeah. So is that why, did you just not apply for jobs because like you knew that you would show up and then faint? Yeah. So I did work at, very briefly worked at a vet clinic just because I've always had a passion for animals. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, you know, let's find something that'll give me joy because I was incredibly depressed and stuff. So I just wanted to find something that would make me happy. And I only lasted for a month or so because I just couldn't function. It was, it was really bad. Damn. Did they fire you or did you just have to quit? I just told him, I was like, Hey, look, I tried like, thank you guys so much oh. for the opportunity. Cause they were my dog's vet. So they were really understanding. They're super holistic. They're really good about everything. And I was just like, Hey, look, sorry. I thought I could do this. This is not anything personal. Obviously I love being here with you guys, but I just physically can't do it. And it's not fair for me to be on a schedule and get assigned shifts that I'm constantly calling out of. Oh my God, dude, I can't even imagine because I remember being so excited graduating. I mean, the joke was on me. I ended up hating my corporate job, but I was like, oh, this is the beginning of my life, like my dream life. Yeah. So I can't imagine you not only not being able to get a job, but then have to watch all your friends have yes. this dream. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it was, it was really tough, especially because I wasn't able to dance anymore. And so yeah, all of my friends too. were dancers and I saw them moving to LA and like becoming a choreographer or taking like these dance classes that I always wanted to take. Oh and I think that's what kind of added more into the depression. Cause I was just like, what the heck that should be me. And yeah. so it was just really rough to see, but I don't know, I got out of it eventually. And it kind of forced me to try, like I did my own research Granted, it was very limited what was out there at the time because a lot of people didn't know about POTS. But I did my own research and tried to figure out like what exactly triggered. It was a lot of trial and error of what makes me pass out. Like, okay, if I go like this speed of standing up, am I going to be fine? How much longer do I have until I do faint? It's kind of experimenting. And then it got to the point where I was just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm not going to let it hold me back. And that's whenever I'd come up to Austin on the weekends and hang out with Ryan, which is my ex. <laughs> I would hang out with my ex, <laughs> name dropping. And he kind of knew what was going on. He was really thrown off because we were just starting to date. And I was like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm, and then like faint. Like we would be in the middle of a club because I was like, no, I'm living my life. I'm going out there. I was so fed up with just having a pity party. And so we'd be in the middle of this really busy bar here in Austin and we'd be in the middle of the dance floor. And I'm just like, Oh no. And then I would just faint and he would hold on to me. And oh like, my God. And people would be like, what is happening? And he's <gasps> like, no, she's okay. She'll be right back. <laughs> She'll be right back. <laughs> and so there's just like, Oh so my many God. Yeah. So See, like, how long would you be passed out for? 
I think he said it was like a couple seconds. I don't think it was very long. But whenever we first started (laughs) talking, I was fainting multiple times in a row. And it was so bad because (laughs) I I would like lose consciousness, come back. And I'd be like, no, don't let it happen again. (laughs) And he's just like, what am I getting myself into? And would you just be like, no, we can stay out. It's fine. Uh, Yeah, because I was just so determined to be normal. And that's all I wanted because I was just like, all right, if I can convince myself that I'm normal, it's fine. And so, yeah, I did the whole trial and error stuff to see what made everything better, what made it worse. And then, yeah, I did like a year of that. And I think that's why I was like, okay, final test is Thailand, which looking back is so stupid. Like it honestly was. Yeah, that's really risky. Dumb. <laughs> I remember my mom being so pissed because she was like, are you kidding me? You have this like disability and you're going to the other side of the world by yourself. And I was like, yes, of course I am. Because I was like 23 and oh my God, just dumb. Did you pass out at all on that trip? I didn't. Oh, wow. That's the crazy thing. I had a lot of close calls because I don't know. I love to challenge myself. And there was this one hike called Tiger Temple. It's in Krabi, Thailand. And it's, I think, something like 3,000 stairs or something like that. Stop. Do not tell me you did that. Yes. Oh, my God. And it was so humid because it's right there close to the beach. Or it's like a beach town. Basically, Krabi is, you know, whatever. Someone's going to be like, um, actually, I don't care. Whatever. It's close to the beach. But so it's super humid. It's really hot. And I don't know, I was just so determined. I was like, you know what? My doctor said I'm going to be eventually in a wheelchair and stuff. No way. Yeah. I don't know if that's actually true because I feel great now, but they were projecting for that. They were like, yeah, you're going to be in a wheelchair eventually. And like, it's going to get really bad. And so I was just like, you know what? I'm never going to be able to do this again. And so I made friends with like two other people that were in my tour group. And I kind of told them what was going on. I always told everyone that I was around just in case Mm. it happened. But I told them, I was like, hey, look, I'm going to do this hike. (laughs) And they were just like, "Uh, okay. And I was like, can you guys just go with me, though? Because they wanted to do it, too. And they were like, okay, yeah. And I forgot. It was this girl from England and this guy from India. And so basically these two strangers that I met that day were just keeping an eye on me and they would take breaks with me because I would be like, okay, I feel it coming on. I need to just sit for a little bit and relax. And so they would sit with me and talk with me and check in and make sure I was okay. And then two strangers. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I think that trip meant so much to me because it gave me, you know, hope for humanity in general. I was like, not everyone's terrible. (laughs) And then opened my eyes to traveling and then also just complete, like getting to the top of that mountain and I just started crying because I was like, I did it. Like I freaking did it. What the doctor said I couldn't do or that I wasn't going to be able to do in the future. I did it. Oh my God. I want to (laughs) cry. I know. I know. I just remember that feeling. And so I'm hoping to go back. Damn. I don't know if I'll do the hike again because even without pots, I imagine it's really tough. Yeah. So... Uh, for you to go from being depressed, what I was just saying, looking at all your friends' lives, being like, oh, woe is me, to then all it takes is putting yourself out there, which I know is so much easier said than done. But then look, yeah. you get to see what you said, humanity, and then also just strengthening the relationship with yourself. That's so yeah. cute. Yeah, exactly. So even though 
It was the dumbest decision I could have ever made. It was also the best decision I ever made. Yeah. Is that when you found Buddhism and spirituality? So I dabbled in it my junior year of college. I went through a really bad breakup. And so I was living by myself and I was just like, okay, I need to figure out something because like I'm really sad over this breakup. I need to find comfort. And I've never really been a religious person. Oh, I tried Christianity for 18 years and I just never connected with me. So my junior year, I was just basically researching all these different religions and just trying to see which one fit with me the most. And that's when I found Buddhism. And I'm not a practicing Buddhist or anything. I don't really claim it, but just studying it, reading the books, learning the principles and I don't know, like meditation and whatnot. Just it was amazing. It really changed everything. So going to back to Thailand, they're mostly Buddhist. And so just getting to see the temples and stuff. And it's just like, Oh my God, like you just have on my bucket list. It's amazing. I have suggestions for you, but (laughs) what do you do? Do you go meditate with the monks there or? Yeah. So you can talk to the monks. It's a little different with females. Like they'll talk to you, but there's no touching or anything like that. Of course, because they want to remain pure. Oh, so you can talk with them, sit down and stuff, but you have to keep your distance. And of course, you know, be very respectful, cover up. Whenever you go to temples, you have to have pants on and your shoulders covered. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the temples will have places for you to just like rent out a shawl and like pants and stuff. Oh, cute. Yeah. Cause they want you to be able to experience it, Yeah, but respectful at the same time. Did you talk to any monks? I did very briefly. He looked busy, so I didn't want to (laughs) hound him too much. But whenever I go back, that's going to be kind of my main focus is like talking to people. I love that. That's on my to-do list, like to go there and just integrate myself with the church. I'm similar to you where I don't claim myself as a Buddhist, but just from yoga and reading books and meditating, they are doing something right. Uh, Yes. And there's some kind of peace that comes with it. Yes, that's what I say. The little bits that I've dabbled in has changed my life tremendously by bringing me so much peace. Yeah, and just yeah. contentment with the present moment. Oh yeah, religion never taught me that. Religion, I feel like they shame. teach you the opposite. Yeah, they teach you how to judge and shame others and feel guilty and yeah. whatnot. I feel like for Buddhism, it's kind of the opposite. It's just like, all right, it happened. Things happen. Let it go. Just do better. Yeah, and just find peace of mind. Okay, so then. After Thailand, then what happened? Because you weren't on bed rest anymore after that. Right. Yeah. So whenever I went to Thailand, my ex was living in Japan. So came back from Thailand. He was still teaching English in Japan. So I kind of had a couple months of staying with my parents a little bit longer and then go to Japan, see him and come back. And then we move in together, which we never lived together before. I hadn't seen him for a year. Oh my God. So wait, I never realized that. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Were you scared? I mean, I was a little nervous, but we had already spent basically every weekend together before he went to Japan. But yeah, there was basically a year gap there. Where we didn't talk much. We didn't really see each other. It was like a fun time, but then I don't know. We were just trying to figure out how to live together. And we tried living in the same bedroom, obviously, because like as a couple, you're like, okay, that's what you do. Like you share a bed. And it honestly made things really bad, like really, really bad. Because I guess we both weren't getting quality sleep. And I wanted the room decorated one way. He wanted it another way. And like, 
I tried to get stuff to like meet in the middle, but it still just wasn't working. And so that's when we were like, okay, two separate bedrooms. Which was the healthiest thing ever, Yes. Right? Yeah. I'm going to continue to do that with any future relationships. Two separate bedrooms is the way to go. <laughs> that's one of the things I love about you. Not that you split a bedroom or had your own yeah. bedroom, but yeah. you always do things your way. And now I'm realizing maybe it comes from this whole pot situation and you going to Thailand, just building that relationship with yourself because you've always <laughs> been independent and you don't care what anyone else is doing. You do however things work for you. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the good thing about just being incredibly irresponsible and spontaneous. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely better ways to approach what I did. But yeah, I don't know. It's always been my thing. Why are we doing things that are so difficult when we could just easily not? Yeah. So... Okay. And so then what happened with your career? You had to start over from scratch when other people were already not halfway through, I guess, yeah, halfway through their twenties. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, I would think I was 23, 24. So that's whenever I was like, oh my God, wait a minute. This is real. I'm in my mid twenties. It's so gross. <laughs> <laughs> Little did I know. Yeah. That was another thing. Cause I was like, all right, I just moved to Austin. I have to find a job. Obviously, dance isn't going to be a thing. So what the heck do I do? I dabbled in like physical therapy, like that world for a little bit. And I was like, okay, no, I think it's just because I had a terrible boss. Did you not pursue dance anymore because it's too much movement and it'll trigger the pots? Yeah, I just, I didn't feel comfortable with it anymore. I just didn't want to like, because that was one of my main triggers so studio dancing was off the table, unfortunately. So that was really rough to deal with, but I eventually accepted it. And so then I was like, all right, what the heck do I do? And so I remember working in the vet clinic for that like one month. And I was like, you know what? I actually really enjoyed that. So I was like, all right, screw it. I'm going to go apply for a vet clinic and see what happens. And I started working for this fantastic vet. I stayed there for two, three years. Oh. fell in love with it. I have, I've always had a really big passion for animals. So yeah, pursued that, which never thought I would. That was never a thing that crossed my mind when I was going to school and stuff. So yeah, I did that. I went to another clinic just to kind of see what that was like. Worked there for, I think, a year or so. Was it hard having to explain why the gap from when you graduated college to then where you're now starting a career? Yes. Yeah. So that, of course, during the interview process came up a lot because we were like, okay, you've never had like an official career. What's (laughs) going on? And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be honest with you. Because in case anything happened there, because, you know, it's like a medical oh. facility. Um, I was like, I do have a thing called POTS. It's under control now. If I do have flare-ups or anything, I, I can let you know. I know the identifying signs. And, like, here's just what I need to do. But that's why it was medical. Like, I just couldn't work at the time. And so uh, that's a risky thing to do. And I'm sure a lot of people in HR that are watching are just like, no, why would you say that? Like, <laughs> But I wanted to be honest. And I think that's what they kind of respected. And then also in the long run, that helped me because I wouldn't have been hired and then have to keep a secret. Yeah, because that's a big secret. And see, because where I was going with this is I come from sales. So where we, you know, have to fit this cookie cutter box and we just have to say, 
the right thing, whether it's a lie or not. And so my go-to thing would be, how do I manipulate this in my resume or in a cover letter to even get the interview? It's crazy how honesty goes such a long way if you just try it. That's why I could never be in sales. (laughs) Don't. It's awful. Don't. (laughs) Anyone who's in it, I recommend you get the fuck out. (laughs) So awful. I know everyone I know in sales is trying to get out. It takes a certain person. Yeah. A manipulative person. <laughs> anyway, tell us where the rest of your career has gone. Okay. So eventually the vet tech stuff got really depressing, as I'm sure a lot of people have heard. It's one of the most depressing industries to be in just because of the tragedy that you see. Because of course it's fun to play with puppies and kitties and all of that stuff when it's just like a healthy exam you're like oh my gosh this is why I'm doing it but then like after because I was working in a vet clinic during COVID so not only did you see really sick pets and have to help out with euthanasias and all of that stuff but you also had to deal with some crazy owners like people actually losing their minds during COVID and taking it out on you So I was just like, all right, this is getting to be too much. And then on top of that, the pay is horrible for the amount of work that you have to do. So I was just like, all right, this is not the industry I need to be in. Like, I feel like I'm getting taken advantage of and I, I hate that. So I tried to stick out as long as possible. And then I just, I couldn't. So I was like, all right, I need a career change again. And at this point I'm like, what, 26, I think 27. And So I was like, oh God, like, how do you start over at 27? That's terrifying. And I had no idea where I was going, what I was doing. I just knew that I needed to get out. And um, my old roommate that lived with me and my ex was like, hey, look, a position at my company just opened up. It's not anything that you've ever done before, but it's, it's doable. Are you interested in just checking it out? And I was like, okay, cool. So she invited me over and I kind of like shadowed her for like an hour And she kind of just showed me what the position was. And I was like, oh God, yeah, like I can do this. And so then I interviewed for uh, sales operations for a data solutions company and got myself into tech. Nice. (laughs) And now you're happy. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's like the most amazing company ever. My bosses, all of my coworkers, everyone's so supportive and so nice. And I doubled my pay. And so, yeah. yeah, significantly way better off here than I was, I guess, at any point before. Yeah. And looking back at pods, is there anything like, oh, I understand why it happened. It led me to this or has anything good come from it other than your Thailand trip? Right. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Right. I think it's helped me become a little more understanding and patient with people because I know before I was just a little shithead teenager and I would be stuck behind someone that were like was on crutches or in a wheelchair and I'm just like oh my god can you hurry up it was terrible (laughs) I don't know now I'm just like oh no that could be me I could be in that position and it's just nice to have patience and compassion for others Mm. knowing that that literally could be you any day you could wake up and that's your position from that point on and so just that and then just appreciating life a lot more oh yeah I love that. Yeah, because it kind of ties into before, like it could be taken away from you at any point. You could get into a car wreck and then that's it. Yeah. Life can change just like that. And it's just really important to appreciate what you have right now. 
Oh, I love that so much. <laughs> Thank That's you. so cute. <laughs> it is funny how my life coach says that life's biggest blessings come with the ugliest packaging. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I mean, your POTS disease, I don't want to like compare ADHD to that because yours is way more insane. There's a lot more research and support there's, done. There's a lot of like struggles with ADD too. Yeah. I will say with you, it also has humbled me and just has like brought me back down to earth, especially because of all the mental health things that come along with ADHD. Yeah. Like it literally could happen to anybody. I used to think I just was perfectly normal and invincible and I just had a peachy life. And then life humbled me really fast right yeah because yeah you have like these blinders on and then like some kind of situation happens and you're like wait oh something's different something's not right yeah but then having to take that step back it does end up being a really big blessing yeah no absolutely it's really tough and it's obviously for you too it's just like oh man now I have this thing but at the same time it's just like okay cool let's get past the bitterness you're allowed to feel upset about it Yes. That's the thing that I think took a little bit to understand because there was that bitterness that like, why me? Why is this happening? This is so annoying. Look at everyone else living their normal life, but like no one really has a normal life. Yeah. So have that bitterness, but realize you're not alone in all of this. Everyone's fighting their own little battles. It's just sometimes it's not visible. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, what advice would you give to others who are also living with POTS and experiencing similar mental health symptoms? I would start off with if you think you have it, doesn't mean for sure that you have it. Don't self-diagnose, first of all, because it could be something else completely. There's a whole umbrella of dysautonomia, which is what POTS is under. It's Mm -hmm. an autonomic system issue. So if you think you have it, though, advocate for yourself, bring someone with you to your appointments. Cause I ended up bringing my mom and she's a, an RN, so a registered nurse. And so she kind of knew how doctors worked. Mm. So if you can find someone like that, just to sit into the appointments with you, that way you have two people there advocating for you, yourself and your friend, family member, whoever bring them with you. I would document what doctors say. Cause my doctor, like I said, so many times just completely disregarded my concerns and blamed it on anxiety. So I had the log of like each time I went in, what I expressed my concerns were what she said. It was pages and pages of me saying, Hey, this is happening. This is when I passed out, stuff like that. And then just don't give up. Keep pushing, keep pushing until you get your diagnosis. It's so easy to just be like, whatever, screw it. I'm just screwed up forever. It's just going to be like this. That's what it is. Like, no, keep going. Because once you do get that diagnosis, it's so freeing. And like, it sucks because you're like, oh, dang it, I knew it. (laughs) But just keep going. I feel like nowadays, because it's become a lot more common, a lot more people have POTS now for some reason. So doctors are now way more interested in it. They're doing a lot more studies on it. So if you just really voice your concern, keep pushing, eventually get that tilt table test. And then... I don't really think there's necessarily a cure or any kind of medication yet, at least not that I know of or that I've been told. Just keep going, get that diagnosis, and then your doctors are going to probably tell you this nonstop, but eat a salty snack. It does help a little bit. It doesn't help a lot, but also don't push yourself and don't feel bad about having bad days. 
Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing everything. I think not only will this help people with POTS or something similar, but even just with mental health, which is what this whole podcast is about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They go hand in hand. So (laughs) you're welcome. Okay. And where can people find you so they can go see all your travel adventures? Oh, my gosh. Okay. My TikTok is at Anya. It's A-W-N-J-U-H-H. And I'll include it in the show notes. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, go follow her, get inspired to go travel the world. Yeah, I'll be posting. So if you want to know some good places to go, I will literally be all over Europe, Asia, and Australia. Fuck yeah. (laughs) All right, Dilu Besties, thanks for hanging. We'll see y'all next week. Thanks. Bye. Listen up, Dilu Besties. If you want to learn all about manifesting and become a master at attracting anything you want in your life, check out my virtual manifesting masterclass, www.karen-rico.com slash shop, or click in the link in the show notes. And if you want to watch me podcast every week, check out my YouTube channel at Balancing the Bullshit or click on the link in the show notes.